Good morning. This morning, uh, we are going to observe the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. You know, today, Christians and churches all over the world are gathering to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering persecution for the Christian faith. You know, we're so blessed to be in a place where we can just meet freely and express our love for the Lord and what we truly believe without having to worry about who's going to try to stop us. You know, Jesus told his followers that it would be this way, that there would be suffering for them. And today we want to unite our hearts with our brothers and sisters across the globe to pray for those who are on the front lines of taking the brunt for people who hate God who want to just control other people and who hate the Christian faith because it leads to freedom. This morning we're going to be looking at a short passage of scripture, offering up some prayers for our brothers and sisters, and then we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper to unite our hearts with those who suffer for the talk about, it's going to be an excerpt from a movie that has just been made, and it's about uh, Richard Wormbrandt's wife. Richard Wormbrandt started the Voice of the Martyrs, and he was in prison for 14 years in Romania as communists took over, and um, this is now, this movie that they've just made is about his wife, Sabina. Both of them are passed away. She spent three years in prison. He spent 14 years. So if you could... Do you have that? Is this not coming through? No, not out there? Should we switch? No, you're okay. Okay. In 1940, Nazi forces invaded Richard and Sabina Wormbrand's home country, Romania. There were no safe spaces for Jews. And though Christian, Richard and Sabina were ethnic Jews. afraid for I am with you Genesis 26 do not be afraid of them Joshua 8 I am I'm kind of afraid Asking to see ideas. All our lives remain 
Now we're Jews only. Christian, really. Show me where the fish must take on, right? Dă-te la o parte, știu că ascunze vrei aici. Puteți să vă uitați, dar nu e niciun evreu aici. Richard and Sabina, like many Christians during World War II, had a choice. Lay low and hope the worst passed them by. Or get involved and be the hands and feet of Christ. All at great personal risk. I think we have to stay. We have a job to do. If they are coming, then they are coming. Let's not think of them as enemies to be feared, but rather as a mission. Like Sabina and Richard Wormbrand, today's persecuted Christians, living in hostile areas and restricted nations are bold witnesses for Christ. Choosing to give up their comfort and safety in this world in order to find a life that counts for eternity. The first request from our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters is, will you pray for me? As we pray for them to endure opposition in order to advance the gospel, may we be inspired by their example to pay any price necessary in obedience to Christ. Let's look at Matthew 16, 24 through 25. We saw it on there, but it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
You know, what Jesus is referring to when he tells them that they must take up their crosses is how back in those days where convicted criminals were made to carry their crosses to the place of their execution. They were made to carry the very means of what would kill them. And the time was approaching when Jesus himself would be made to carry the cross that he would die on to the place of his crucifixion. But what Jesus was saying was that the requirement for being his disciple would be the willingness to deny themselves and follow him even to the point of death. That's, you know, the idea of the cross. It's even all the way to the point of death. That's how much we should be willing to follow him. Now, denying ourselves is not something we just naturally want to do, is it? But when we become a disciple of Jesus, that does become part of the faith, part of the package, being willing to deny ourselves. And as Christians, our calling is not to arrange our lives. We may kind of think that way in America because things are so easy at this point. But as Christians, our calling isn't to arrange our lives so that others are always serving us. Our calling is to be willing to deny ourselves so that we can serve Christ. Deny ourselves so that we can follow Christ as Christ lived. And the greatest example of someone denying themselves was in the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper. And that night as Jesus was suffering, agonizing over what he knew was coming in the next few minutes, next hour, whatever. He prayed to his father that night, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Now see, that's really denying yourself. He chose his father's will over what he would rather have happen when he offered his life on the cross to pay for our sins. And you know, even today, we have extremely brave brothers and sisters, extremely brave Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, and many different countries, continually denying themselves in order to be able to worship the Lord, or just, just to worship the Lord, and spread the gospel message. And many of them end up carrying their own crosses, so to speak, but here's the reason we need to be willing to deny ourselves in order to be a follower of Jesus. Right here. Could you go back there? He says, he says to deny ourselves. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, to me, that sounds like a contradiction in terms. The person who chooses and then works hard to save their own life, Jesus says, they will lose it. But the person who chooses to lose their life for Christ will find it. And here's what that means ultimately. The person who chooses in this life to live for himself will in the end lose his life eternally. We're talking about the difference between heaven and earth. 
But the person who is willing to deny himself for the sake of Christ will end up finding life eternally. Now, our brothers and sisters in Christ facing persecution, they face beatings, loss of homes, rejection by families, imprisonment, houses burnt down, cruel deaths, and they continue to spread the gospel and care for one another. They are willing to lose their earthly lives as far as family members, homes, freedom, riches, possessions, but they are finding true life and true freedom in Christ. And one day they will receive eternal life in God's kingdom and very, very special rewards. And I want you to look at the very simple logic gives that Jesus gives for choosing to lose in this life rather than in the next life. Verse 26, he says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, there are so many reasons why people today choose not to turn to Christ for salvation and choose not to follow him in their lives. But really what it all boils down to is that people do not want to give up what they have now in this life in order to get what they really need in the next life. And whether it be, whether the reasons be because of friends or status or reputation or wild living or their earthly pursuits or riches, you know, all kinds of reasons people don't want to give up now in order to receive later. And I took a long time myself, over a year, because I knew I would lose all my close friends, which I did, but I gained a lot better friends. But it is that difference between earthly pursuits and heavenly rewards. It's the difference between immediate pleasure and storing your treasures in heaven where they will be worth so much more. Now let me read to you again. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul, your very being? I mean, you could have all the possessions in the world, but if you give up yourself, you know, then you've lost it all. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul, their being? And then here's an answer right here in verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, you know, we may face troubles. I know it's not so much here in America at this time, but we see our brothers and sisters who give up everything to follow Christ, who are hunted down, who are persecuted, who are you know, pressured and chased down. But one day, Christ is going to come with his army of angels and he's going to destroy his enemies and he's going to set up a kingdom and that kingdom will be eternal and that kingdom will have Christ reigning, will have the Father even. And that kingdom will be pure glory where everything 
that is right will be, will be backed up. Everything that is wrong will be put out. Everything will be turned the way it should be. Oftentimes right now, things are turned upside down. But when Christ comes back, he's going to turn it up right. Today, the people most celebrated are the wealthy, the famous, even those who ridicule believers, even those who would call churches dangerous. Those are the ones who are riding high right now. But when Christ returns, the real heroes will shine like stars in the sky. And Christ will give the rewards. Now, <clears throat> just before we move on, uh, we're going to be praying for uh, a few different places, very short prayers by some of our elders. I wanted to read you this story about this man named Abdul. It says, growing up in Pakistan, Abdul lived under Islam's strict Sharia law with an oppressive shame culture. His uncle, the head of his extended family, was an Islamic leader in the community. And the Quran was the source of ultimate authority over his life. As Abdul grew older, however, he began to worry about where he would spend eternity. He often thought of heaven and discussed the afterlife with his uncle, but his uncle simply assured him that he would get there. You know you are doing a good job, he told Abdul. You will go to heaven. Instead of providing comfort, his uncle's words offended him. He knew he had not lived a good life, even by his own standards. And surely heaven's standards were higher than his own. The Islamic view of heaven suddenly felt cheap to Abdul. After further conversations about Islam with family members, Abdul's disgust with his life grew so intense that he wanted to commit suicide. Distraught, he shared his feelings and dark intentions with a friend. To Abdul's surprise, his Muslim friend challenged him to take a Bible correspondence course that he had been taking. Comes in all different ways, doesn't it? Abdul signed up for the course and soon received the first lesson. <clears throat> Everything made sense to him until he, became to, he came to Romans 8.1. There is that, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That declaration shook Abdul's understanding of God, judgment, and heaven. The concept of grace it presented was so foreign to him that he initially thought it was an error. But the more he studied the scriptures, the better he understood the uniquely Christian teachings about God's mercy and grace. Finally, in 2005, he reached a conclusion. It was worth it to leave Islam for Jesus. Abdul placed his faith in Christ and was baptized, unaware of the persecution his decision would bring. The months after becoming a Christian, Abdul decided to share the gospel in his village. He spent two weeks in prayer and preparation before beginning to tell both friends and strangers about Jesus. Then one day he arrived home and saw a group of people gathered outside his house. Inside, his parents, siblings, and other relatives sat waiting for him. 
While he had been out sharing the gospel, some villagers had reported his evangelistic work to his family. Abdul immediately sensed the tension as he stood in front of his family, and then his uncle, who also lived with his family, pointed a gun at him. He must be kicked out of the house, his uncle said tearfully. Otherwise, I will kill him. Abdul's uncle lunged toward him, the butt of the gun striking Abdul's shoulder as his brothers tried to pull him away. If you again become a Muslim, we will forgive you, Abdul's father promised. But Abdul, overwhelmed with emotion, held to his Christian faith. I am asking you to become a Christian so you can have salvation, he responded. Realizing that Abdul was not going to return to Islam, his family kicked him out of the house. Abdul had nowhere to stay, so after nightfall, when most people were in bed, he returned to his parents' house and climbed up on the roof to sleep. At sunrise the next day, around 5 a.m., he climbed down and left the house. He followed the same pattern the next day and every day for the next six years. It was easy in the summertime, but very hard in the wintertime, he said. I always kept a matchbook in my pocket to make a fire to make myself warm. Whenever he found himself suffering from the weather or loneliness, he said a simple prayer. Thank you, God. This is all about you and for you. Throughout the six years that Abdul slept on his parents' roof, he continually shared the gospel with everyone he could. As the only Christian in an area that includes dozens of villages, the harvest was plentiful. When he wasn't selling newspapers to earn money, he was talking with people in the neighboring villages and visiting workers out in the field. And every morning he walked two miles with a man who made, this, made the daily trip to get milk for his family. They discussed the scriptures every step of the way. Abdul has led 10 men to Christ so far, and another 30 have shown interest in learning more. Not everyone is open to his message, though. Abdul receives frequent death threats from Islamic leaders because of his evangelism. But despite the threats, he continues to serve as the sole evangelist in his community. And VOM, Voice of the Martyrs, supports Abdul as a frontline worker. Six years after Abdul began sleeping on the roof of his parents' house, his mother began to hear updates on him from other villagers. At one point, after learning that he was sick, she urged her husband to forgive Abdul. Abdul's father relented, allowing him to move into a separate room that he added to the house. As soon as Abdul moved in, however, his 80-year-old uncle cursed him for leaving Islam. One night, his uncle snuck into his room while he was out of town and burned his Bibles. Then when Abdul's father died in 2012, his uncle refused to let him attend the funeral. You are a Christian and you don't believe in Allah. So go out from here, his uncle said. Abdul has not given up on his uncle despite the ongoing harassment. While the verbal abuse continues today, Abdul's standard response is a kind smile. I am praying for my uncle that he can receive salvation before he dies, Abdul said. Abdul is planning to marry a Christian girl he met in another part of Pakistan, but his family will not be there to support him. 
He hopes his wife will partner with him in ministry, reaching out to women whom he is unable to speak with in their strict Islamic culture. Although he continues to receive death threats, he accepts, accepts the tension in his life as a part of his faith. If the threats become reality, he is okay with that too. He knows for sure where he is going when he dies. I know that I have to die, he said, but before I die, I want to share the good news that people don't have to go to hell. They can go to heaven. It's amazing what some people, how, how dedicated they are. Uh, at this point, we have <clears throat> some prayers given to us through Voice of the Martyrs. Um, and I've asked some of the elders to go ahead and pray. They're going to be on, on the screen. And there's just three short prayers for three different areas. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, Robert. John. And Father, we thank you for these brave people who stand on the front lines, who in, in the face of so much danger, threats, death, losing homes, being separated from families, we just thank you for their faithfulness, their bravery, their mindset of wanting to serve you no matter what. And pray that we would have that same bravery in our situations. And Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for those who lead our nation. That you would elect really good people, Lord. Good, caring people to, to lead us. And if those who want, want to take us in a wrong direction, that you might remove them. But Father, if we ever have to um, face persecution... We pray that we will be as brave as our brothers and sisters that we've read about. We thank you that it, what we are 
waiting for is worth it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.